Aloha. Welcome back to the Naked Security Podcast. My name is Kimberly Trung, and to my virtual right, I have Doug Ameth. Kimberly Trung, I have a bone to pick with you. Uh Uh-oh. Off the air last week, you suggested to me that I should watch a documentary on Netflix called Abducted (laughs) in Plain Sight. I did. And I did, and it was mortifying. And (gasps) I know, I told you it would be. Yeah. Didn't I warn you? Everything you said was true and more. So I warned Doug that because he's a father, he will probably now lock away his children forever. Um, and then to my virtual left, I have Paul Ducklin. Hello, everybody. I would like to squeeze in a quick apology, if I may, to those mm-hmm. of our loyal listeners who listened really soon and early last week uh, when the podcast was, oh, yeah. how can I put it, unilateral. I think it was, <laughs> it, was, it was all to the right and none to the left. It was an unfortunate comedy of errors. Intermittently, it's happened a few times in my life. I kind of lose hearing in one ear, but only ever one ear, and then somehow it magically fixes itself a few days later. And so that day, everything I was listening to on YouTube was all one-sided. So Mm. I thought, oh, it's me ear, which it was. So when I listened to the (laughs) podcast and it was one-sided, 50-50 chance. If the dud channel had been on my good ear, I would have heard nothing and I would have known something was afoot. Or at ear, um, but what a bit of poor fortune! And and by the good cybersecurity lesson, never assume. Mm. I should have turned mm. my headphones round and checked that the dud channel was due to the fact that I couldn't hear it, rather than the fact that there was nothing to listen to. So mm-hmm. to the reader, the listener who pointed it out on Twitter, thank you so much. So that's how it happened. And my hearing's back to normal, so it shouldn't happen again. <laughs> Great. Uh, good news all around. So anyway, uh, before we get into the headlines, I want to quickly tease the oh no of the week, which you guys know happens at the end of our episode. This week, when you're making that phone call, make sure the call is going through. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. But before we get to that, Doug, what's happening? We're going to talk about a ransomware bust of the suspects behind the CLOP ransomware. We're going to talk about whether or not you can blow a PC speaker using only a Linux kernel driver. Then we're going to talk about how to hack a Peloton bike. There's a rooting bug that's been patched. But first, fun fact. In an attempt to offer healthier options for its Happy Meal menu, fast food behemoth McDonald's at one point developed broccoli that tasted like bubblegum. Perhaps unsurprisingly, kids were confused by the taste, and the venture was deemed to be a failure. I like broccoli and I like bubblegum, but not together. <laughs> not in the same. That uh, broccoli that tasted like bubblegum, is that what you said? Yep. Wow. What, broccoli-flavored bubblegum yep. tastes like broccoli? No. Gum-favored so broccoli. Gum flavor? Gum doesn't have a flavor. Well, gum does have a flavor. The flavor is whatever flavor you put in it. Bubble gum. Of all the two tastes in the world that you would best avoid, bubble gum is one, and broccoli slash Brussels sprouts is another. Broccoli Mm. is fantastic to look at. The best thing in the world to look at because of all that that fractal wonder. But the taste, I mean, come on. I disagree. I disagree. Brassica, it's, it's like... It's to keep cattle healthy during a hard winter. 
It's not for humans. Let's be fair. No. I love like, oh, broccoli. I love cabbage. Saying I'll, oh. I'll eat cabbage, but like you wouldn't seek it out. I would Some seek out do. cabbage. Mm. I would seek I out broccoli. I mean, I should, yeah, I like broccoli, but it's got to be, I've got to have something to dip in it. I can't just eat straight up broccoli. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an animal here. What you want is just get peri-peri sauce and oh. <laughs> then you're golden because then you can eat anything. Yes. You just dip it in there and then you don't need the thing you dipped in, really. We found out today that uh, Kim's cat is named after a condiment. Yeah, peri-peri sauce, which Half is condiment. amazing if you ever have been to Nando's in the UK or one of their locations around the world, or you just are familiar with peri-peri spice, it is very good. That's my recommendation this week. I didn't mean to give a recommendation, but here you go. You've got one now. Okay, next time I'm in the UK, we'll go to Nando's. See if they mm -hmm. have some uh, bubblegum-flavored broccoli with some peri-peri sauce. We're not going to do it. We're not going to okay. do it. Okay, well, let's talk about this Klopp ransomware story. If you've ever wanted to see the glamorous world of ransomware criminals... It's not really on display in this five-minute police raid. It's a video found in Paul's Klopp ransomware article. The cars are sort of cool, but apparel-wise, there's a fair amount of pajama pants and Crocs shoes. Nothing against Crocs <laughs> or pajama pants. I have both in my closet, but I'm also not sitting around on almost 200 grand in cash like these guys were. So tell us about this bust. Well, the bust happened in Ukraine. Apparently, the cops went into 21 locations simultaneously and there's a great five minute video that they produced if you go to our article you can watch it it's at the end if you've ever been the victim of ransomware or you know someone who has this is not going to make you feel that much better it's definitely not going to get your money back but it's not going to make you feel any worse let's just say the cops didn't take no for an answer to get into these places they went with what i call the bfg the big, fearsome grinder. <laughs> the biggest angle grinder you've seen. Yeah, that thing was cool. There's a great bit in the video where they knock on the door. Now, I don't speak Ukrainian, but I, you can hear you shouting, open up, police. Nothing. You just get to the point in the video where you think, I wonder what happens if the crooks just go, or the suspects, let's be clear, just go, let's pretend we're not in, let's just lie low, see what they're going to do. And so there's a pause in the video and then this beefy looking cop steps forward and he pulls on the starter cord of this gasoline powered BFG grinder. And as it fires up, slowly and very gingerly, the door opens from the inside. <laughs> so they must have figured they're not going to go away and come back later. So it was this series of raids that is supposed to have collected the ringleaders of you know, one of the modern big money ransomware gangs, the gangs that run other affiliates who go out, attack networks, encrypt them, collect money, and the guys in the middle take a pretty percentage of every bit of ransomware going on out there. They haven't been convicted yet, but they have been arrested. And of course, all of their mobile phones and their computers confiscated. If you've ever wondered what top-end ransomware crooks seemed to like, it would, they were a Mac shop. They had all the grooviest Macs with, the, with those cool little mini Mac keyboards and some quite fancy motors in there. Top-end Tesla, AMG 63, other Merck Benzes, they're all getting confiscated. The usual sea of mobile phones that get collected. As you say, Doug, even though these guys work in Bitcoins, apparently collectively they had about 5 million Hryvnia lying around, which is about 200,000 US dollars. That's just the cash stuff. 
I guess the idea is, well, if you know who they are and you've got the evidence, then law enforcement can and will go after them. So let's hope they got the right people and let's see what happens next. So uh, what? I'm watching this video, right? And <laughs> it looks like a pretty sweet bachelor pad. I'll tell you what I did not expect was the scented candles. Yeah. I seriously I told you it's a bachelor pad. And I'm sure, now I'm not an expert on these things because I'm not, you know, fully domesticated yet, but I reckon I caught sight of a bread-making machine in the kitchen. <laughs> like, how hipster They were during that? a pandemic like the rest of yeah. us, learning how to make bread, you know? There were shots from other places that they'd busted as well. I saw a lot of flash-looking car keys lying around. Did you like? Oh yes, so many Mercedes Benzes. A lot of Mercedes key fobs. And just to explain, for the, someone had to ask, I think it's American, that in British and Commonwealth English, the word motor, which of course refers to the engine of a car, we use it in a, a figure of speech called metonymy, where we use it to refer to the vehicle. So a flash motor is, it's not just a cool car. It's one with go and show, bit of bling, probably 500 horsepower, probably costs quite a bit. And there were quite a few. The cops made sure to get pictures of quite a lot of them getting loaded onto the tow trucks. And of course, they'd <laughs> searched the cars and emptied out all the mobile phones first. To anyone who's wondered, why don't these guys get bust all the time? Why do these court cases take years to get to court? when the cops actually do do a bust just watch those videos and see that's just the beginning the basic collecting of the physical evidence just how look how much effort and work just goes into that part then they've got to take all the other stuff apart look through all the computers all the mobile phones was there a phone we overlooked where did this money come from how does this all stitch together hats off to the cops for doing the bust but now i guess the hard work starts Yep, so tastefully appointed bachelor pads and flash motors are on display. Clop ransomware suspects busted in Ukraine, money and motors seized on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Alrighty, folks, we are heading into our second story titled, Can You Blow a PC Speaker Using Only a Linux Kernel Driver? well-known cybersecurity researcher who you may have heard us mention before on the podcast, Tavis Ormandy, tweeted the other day, The legend continues. The question was posted for the 15th consecutive year today. For over a decade, every July, someone has posted this exact question to LKML. My theory is it's being sent by a ghost trapped in a PC speaker looking for help to pass on. <laughs> Duck, you write, with just one exception that you know of, an email that appeared in July in 2008. The same person has emailed the Linux kernel mailing list, LKML, sometime in the month of June, ever since 2007, to ask the same question every right. year. <laughs> For 15 years in a row, including 2021, the mysterious R.F. Burns, uh, which uh, I, it's you do got believe to be, to be a joke. R.F. Burns, right? As in R.F. Radio Frequency. I'm assuming it's a joke. Yeah, it's and a good he wants name. To know, is it possible to write a kernel module which, when loaded, will blow the PC speaker? It looks like he or she still hasn't found out. <laughs> right. So we were figuring, let's throw this open. This guy's need is getting desperate, and if he really is suffering from <laughs> R.F. Burns, like Teviso says. Maybe maybe his ghost is stuck in a speaker somewhere and he wants to set himself free. 
Or is it just an ongoing joke? Tech community's full of that, right? That the guy did every June. Oh, I must remember to send that email. Is it a script that's gone haywire? You know, maybe it's some maybe it's something speaking from beyond the grave. I know that sounds rather ghoulish, but you know, this is a big deal these days with people, you know, they they die and they haven't made provision in their will for others to access their accounts. How does somebody get access to their social media account to download their pictures or take them offline? Or what if they've got some auto-tweet set up? Uh, just keep tweeting forever. But it seems if this is a secret message, once a year seems very infrequent. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like on the anniversary too, that's very funny. Well, R.F. Burns has been getting answers over the years, but has he been getting any good answers? Like, is it is this possible? Well, what's amusing is that somebody, a commenter, came back and said, basically, I'm not saying that it is possible with a PC speaker and a Linux kernel, but I think I may accidentally have done something similar myself when I was a student and I was doing some project working with a Lego Mindstorm robot. And it had a speaker that very, very low tech speaker, like the old PC speakers, because PC speakers, they're not like modern laptop speakers, which are connected up to a sound card internally. So they, they play quiet, low quality, hi-fi music, if you like. A PC speaker was literally a two and a half inch loudspeaker wired up to a five volt DC source that you could switch energized, unenergized, energized, unenergized. So you can make the speaker go out, in, out, in fully. So all you could do in theory was play a square wave note. And square waves aren't very good for speakers, but these speakers were of such poor quality that the idea is it probably didn't matter. And he claims that in the Lego Mindstorm, that had a tiny little speaker which had only the same basic control. And he tried writing this funky thing to see what would happen. Could he sweep through all the frequencies and play weird music? And so wrote some experimental code and claims he was sitting back listening to it do its amazing job, thinking, hey, that sounds quite cool, when suddenly he smelt the smell of magic smoke <laughs> escaping. And he said, that Lego robot never made a noise again. And he has no idea whether it was his code, but... I guess until now, he's never admitted to it. <laughs> so so maybe it is possible. The backstory, which I presume is part of the joke, is that uh, R.F. Burns claimed when pressurised, why do you want to do something so destructive, that they had a whole load of computers in the lab back in the day, so back in 2007, at a school he was working at, and they were having trouble with the kids disrupting lessons and things by, by writing code to mess around with a sound card as you can imagine i mean doug wouldn't know anything about this never done anything naughty like that mm -mm. in his life but some people some people uh would so they they use device you know, access control list to lock the kids out of the sound cards so the kids started fiddling around with the speakers where you you just literally have this beep 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 boop, boop, toggle which is even more annoying so he's figuring hey if we could just blow all the speakers <laughs> one night without having to go to all the computers <laughs> oh. then no one would really care and it was the kids the kids would come in and go oh, speakers aren't working anymore uh that was the theory <laughs> uh, so we have to assume that it's either a joke or it is some secret message that when the yeah. message stops yeah, there's a hidden meaning secret? yeah what is it it's like, like is it something to be decrypted? the aliens what, came what back yeah. and got me guys <laughs> we don't I know 
And uh, that's what we're that's why we wrote the article because A, it was a rainy Friday afternoon in England. B, it was rather funny. And C, like we got to know, man. Just <laughs> we like... got to know. <laughs> All right, people, help us find out this mystery. Can this be done? Is this not even a literal question? Is there a hidden meaning behind this text? We gotta close this case. Head on over to nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Can you blow a PC speaker using only a Linux kernel driver? All right, everybody, pump the brakes, pump the brakes, <laughs> pulling the flash motor over to take a break for <laughs> this week in tech history. June 26th, 1974, marked the debut of the now ubiquitous Universal Product Code, or UPC, the scannable barcode found on purchasable items the world over. The first ever UPC marked item to be scanned, a 10-pack of Wrigley's Juicy Fruit Chewing Gum. 50 sticks in all. <laughs> the gum was purchased at the Marsh Supermarket in Troy, Ohio at 8.01 a.m. and rang up at the low, low price of 67 cents. Now, adjusted for inflation, it's about $3.66 today, which means Juicy Fruit has held its value pretty well. My local drugstore sells a 45-stick pack for 3 bucks. Man, Juicy Fruit was my jam growing yeah. up. Juicy Fruit is gonna move ya. Choose a saw, it gets right to ya. Juicy Fruit, the taste, the taste, the taste is gonna move ya. I don't know that jingle, but the jingle that I, and I do. And I, now I do, and I wish I did not. <laughs> it was people I chewing Juicy Fruit that, and like going water skiing and wakeboarding and stuff like that, doing real extreme tricks. Do you guys remember the double mint commercial? Duck, I don't know if you guys had this in the UK, but it was like, double your pleasure, sure. double, double your fun. fun. It's the statement of the great mint of double, double mint, mint gum. gum. Why is it that I remember this jingle from literally 20 years ago, but I can't remember? Your brain holds on to what is most important, Kim. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, like with me and the Juicy Fruit oh, yeah. song, I'm going to need that someday. You're I think I can reliably <laughs> inform you. But don't take this too hard that you have found your use for it and you may now on this podcast, if it survives the edit, yes. your own edit, and you may now purge it from your memory forever. I can send it to the recycling bin in my mind. I know. And you, in the same way that you, you now you're big, you actually don't have to eat broccoli again if you don't want to. That's true. Okay. A lot of things to do after the show. A lot of gum-related uh, material in this episode, yeah. too. So that's a... Anyway, I was just on. thinking that 1974, I thought, oh, I would have thought it was before then, like would be sometime in the, the end of the 50s or the yeah. 60s. But I guess the idea of actually having reliable barcode readers installed in supermarkets, you know, they would have probably taken up half the supermarkets. <laughs> so maybe yeah. 74, maybe that's why. Yeah, the actual backstory of the UPC is kind of, there's, there's a bunch of people involved, a bunch of retailers around the world, and they had to get all the hardware vendors on board. So this was rung up on an NCR, Dang. National Cash Register machine and all this stuff. So if you're looking Dang. for something to lull you to sleep tonight, the history of the, the UPC is, is one for you. Um, <laughs> or else you can... Go on a bike ride. Paul, I know you're an avid cyclist. The last time I was on a legit bike was about 24 years ago, my first weekend at college. <laughs> I asked to borrow someone else's bike to go buy a carton of camel-wide lights. The seat was too high, and in front of all the other cool freshman smokers, I tipped over into a parked car before I'd even propelled myself forward a single foot. 
Is this true? It is true. Now, I bring this up because the way this Peloton bug was discovered seemed almost as accidental as me trying to gracefully mount a common bicycle. <laughs> it was embarrassing. I was wearing Birkenstocks and corduroy pants. Yes, that's embarrassing, Doug. You're quite right. The, <laughs> believe me, that that covered up the crash. No one noticed. Yeah. If you had if you had the stocks and the cords. Yeah. Probably a fish t-shirt. Fish t-shirt. Corduroy trousers yeah. with a UPC code on it. Yeah, doing some hacky sound. Maybe a stick of broccoli gum in your pocket. Yep. How bicycles have changed, eh? Yeah. <laughs> now they don't even go anywhere. As you, as you pointed really out, the Peloton isn't even a proper bicycle. It's only got it's a unicycle. Well, a dysfunctional unicycle, but a very popular one understandably during lockdown it's half bike i mean literally half bike because it's only got one wheel at the front it doesn't go anywhere but half bike half android tablet and of course the bug was found in the tablet and it's quite an interesting story that sometimes when it comes to cybersecurity, as we've said before the devil's in the details so the story is that this is researchers uh, at mcafee who good on them they, you know, you, you go, oh, I need to research stuff. And of course, if you're into IoT research, well, everyone wants the latest phone and, you know, your boss will probably approve that. But of course, there are also other things that you desperately need to research, like, you know, five different types of drone and mm -hmm. remote control electric cars yep. and of course the peloton bike so they did get approval to buy a peloton bike. And as I say in their report, they, I think they were they were quite pleased with that. But they decided that whatever hacking they did, they were not going to root the bike first. You know, if you've got a phone or, or, a, or a small IoT device and you can't get in easily, you can open it up. You can figure out where am I going to solder on the JTAG connector? Where am I going to where am I going to put a little probe on the chip? How am I going to go about getting root access so that I can at least see how it works? And, you know, you, you're doing research on a $10 webcam and you blow up three of them. Well, the fourth one, you're still only $40 down. So they figured it wouldn't be such a good look if they blew up the Peloton bike. Plus, it was the new model. But also, what they were looking for is the kind of attack that you could do on a device like this that you might find in a gym, one that you share with other people, where somebody who just happened to be passing by could kind of do a hack on it, maybe by just plugging in a USB stick and then walking on. Although it means you need physical access, it means you don't need to be to have particular technical skills or a lot of time or to be seen to be fiddling with the device. You just leave it hacked behind you. And of course, the theory with modern mobile phones and tablets is they are meant to be resilient to hacking, even if your adversary has them in their hands. As we know, this is why you know the cops often need help to try and get data off phones because they can are resilient. So they figured we're going to do this by the book. We're not going to root the device, but we do want to make a backup first just in case something goes wrong because we don't have to go to our boss and say, hey, you know that $3,000 bicycle? Well, you know that $3,000 not even a bicycle you bought us? Well, I'm afraid we ruined it. We need another one. <laughs> so they had a look around and they realized, look, it is what's called boot locked, uh, which most phones, Android devices are these days. iPhones have always basically been boot locked. The idea is that uh, with Android phones and even with iPhones, you can reflash the firmware, but with Apple, you can only put an Apple one on. And even with Android, when you put new firmware on, basically, first you have to unlock it. And when you unlock it, all the user data on there gets wiped. So you, you don't get an image of what it was. You basically get rid of anything that was left behind. 
you know, there is a way over USB cable. You can use a program called Fastboot. You can ask it to boot an unofficial kernel that you send down the USB cable and it just boots it out of RAM. And they figured, look, it's not going to work because the thing's locked, but we'll just try it anyway. And they took a bootloader that they knew wouldn't work, but they just wanted to see, would we get the error that says, sorry, you can't do that because the bootloader's locked. Guess what happened? They got a black screen. And whilst that doesn't sound like an amazing result, what they should have got, what you're supposed to get is immediately get a message that says, can't do that, device is locked. And they realised, wow, there's still a whole load of work. We have to go and find a suitable kernel. We have to hack it. We have to be able to boot the device. We have to boot it up. We have to have just enough control that we can do this, that and the other, and we can alter it. But it looks as though there's more than a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. And it's just a reminder that sometimes when you're doing cybersecurity research, the fact that something shouldn't work, that's not how the crooks think. Because they might not know that it's not going to work. Nobody's told them, so they'll try it anyway and get lucky. And that's what happened here. That's the best part about this, too, for me, is anyone that's tinkered with anything, you, you know that those first basic steps aren't going to work, but you try them anyway. And one out of a thousand times, something like this happens. And it's just such an, an aha moment. You're like, we, I, just, I just leapfrogged over a, th- a hundred different steps I'm going to have to do now because this actually worked against all odds. Or even worse, you do the hundred other steps and it works perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And then someone comes wandering along and said, oh, why didn't you just hold yeah. down the green button while you were booting? Yep. Oh, no. So as the researchers said, this is where our luck or maybe our naivety worked to advantage. Mm-hmm. They knew it wasn't going to work. They tried it anyway just to see what, because you can learn something from maybe even just from the error message that came back. They didn't even get an error message. And although they still had a whole load of work to do, at least they had this encouragement. They could, that there was probably a way that if you have physical access to the tablet on one of these Peloton Bike Pluses, the old versions, it's now been forcibly upgraded by Peloton. Uh, you could, in theory, just plug in a device and then without actually having to tinker with the device or open it up or be seen to be fiddling or take hours with a laptop and weird cables and do hacking-like stuff while you were busy with something else, while you were lifting the kettlebells or whatever they're called, you could be rooting the device in a way that it still worked like it did before, but it had some unauthorized software on there. And of course... Anytime you can inject new software, say at the kernel level or underneath the protections of the operating system, whether it's on a laptop, a desktop or a mobile device or a tablet like on this bike, pretty much you can subvert the whole security of the system. And in particular, of course, you imagine on a device like this, it's got a microphone, it's got a camera, it's got a whole load of other apps that you can load. So I presume you can watch videos while you're riding a fake bicycle. And of course, if you can root and get software in at a low level on an Android device, you could also break down that what you might call forcible sandboxing between apps, which say stops your podcast player from reading your photos unless you give it permission. And the good side of this is what they said at the end of their report, which because obviously they're being critical of Peloton, which is a huge brand these days, very, very popular. They actually said, and I'm reading, I'm quoting here, it says, quote, the Peloton vulnerability disclosure process was smooth and the team were receptive and responsive with all communications, unquote. So if you're a software vendor and if someone reports a bug, even if it's something that's comparatively easy to fix like this, that's an embarrassing mistake, just be open and clear about it. 
because it's for the greater good of all. Textbook response, I guess. So well done to everybody in the end. Still not a proper bicycle, though. <laughs> it's a unicycle. Still not even a unicycle. So true. Well, they're very, we had several Peloton trucks on our street alone during the pandemic. Four or five of our neighbors got them. Oh, they make trucks as well? Yeah, they got Peloton <laughs> trucks. Yeah. They've only got two <laughs> wheels, you have to pedal them. Two yeah, front, that's right. One-wheel bicycle, yeah. two-wheel truck. Oh, probably should just say if you have got one of these Peloton bike pluses, then apparently you need to go to your software version number and you're looking for PTX14A-290 or later. And the update should have come out whether you wanted it or not. Sorry, Doug. No problem. That's How to Hack a Bicycle, Peloton Bike Plus Rooting Bug Patched on NakedSecurity.Suffos.com. Breaking news. We have a reader question, a listener question. With all these high-profile ransomware attacks, now that people are getting wise to good backups, what's the point of paying ransom? Asks Vin O. Everyone's now aware of ransomware, and they know if I have a good backup and I get ransomware on my systems, I can just restore from backup, and I don't need to worry about paying the ransom. Not mm. quite true, yeah. is it, Paul? There are two important things to remember. One is the word if <laughs> in right. the statement you just made. Like, if you have a backup, if it works, if you can get it out of the safe, if you practiced recovering it, if you can recover a thousand computers as quickly as you thought, if you backed up all the stuff, if the crooks didn't wipe out your backups first. I think that's the reason that some people, even when they do have backups, may consider paying up. But word on the street is that's kind of what happened at Colonial Pipeline, right? They figured this has got kind of bad. This has got bad enough that people are putting gasoline in plastic bags. <laughs> And as you know, someone, I, I was doubting it and someone sent me a video. You guys would have seen that video. And I, it, it's true, guys. Yeah. Oh, dear. I didn't like that. And of course, bad luck. It, the dead decryptor actually worked, apparently, but it was just so slow because it has to decrypt each file in every directory on every computer that they actually ended up using their backup anyway. So that's one reason is that people kind of think, I could manage without it, or I'm not sure whether my backup's going to work, or, oh dear, actually half of the backups have been lost or never got done or got signed off incorrectly. And the other reason, of course, that the crooks would like you to believe is that they're actually asking you these days to pay not only to decrypt the data, but also for their earnest assurance that they won't sell on slash leak slash make fun of your customers via the gigabytes of data they stole before they did the encryption. So that's the other side of the ransomware problem these days, that there's, there's the pay up or you won't get your data back. And the other side is you're actually pay us hush money or there'll be a data breach that you can't imagine. They're not just locking up your files. They now have, if you have sensitive customer data or you have credit card numbers or you have social security numbers, if you have HR data, all these things can be used as ransom as well. It can be leveraged. I can understand why a company might pay for the decryptor. Like if they're really sunk, like if your business is actually going to go to the wall and you, everyone's going to lose their jobs and it's all going to go completely irrecoverably pear-shaped because you just don't have a backup. You know, last chance saloon, mm -hmm. I'll pay the money. And if the decryptor works, well, out's better than out. 
something's better than nothing. But why would you pay for a negative where you're saying the crooks are honest, governor, we won't, we won't let the data go? Even if you think you can trust the crooks. We know, for example, with the dark side crooks, after that colonial ransomware incident, it seems that the FBI were able to penetrate their infrastructure. We know that they got, what was it, 85% of the bitcoins back that have been paid in ransom. So they weren't doing their cybersecurity properly, even though you presume it was their intention to keep that stolen money forever and ever and ever. So how do you know that they've deleted? How do you know that some other cook didn't break in and steal it first? How do you know they haven't got a turncoat in their midst? He's already run off with your data. So paying for the negative, I would have thought that I, I sort of can see why people might do it. But if I were a customer and someone said, oh, yeah, don't worry, we paid the hush money. How long do you wait before you stop worrying that the data is going to come out anyway? Yeah, that's a good point. The point is, we've discussed this before on the podcast, haven't we? Please don't pay if you can possibly avoid it, because we all know where the money goes. It goes into flash motors and it goes into funding tomorrow's cyber criminality. But at the same time, I'm not going to stand there and say, if you pay, you're a rotter. It's a tough one, isn't it? So there's no right answer. But mm -hmm. having said that, keep a backup anyway. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just ransomware where backups can help you get out of a scrape. And I think as a short answer to this question, I think that the, the crux of the question was, as long as everyone makes good backups, that'll kill off ransomware for good, right? And the answer is no, it will not. At least it means that if you do get ransomware, your data can quickly and easily be restored. At least your business is still running. Yeah. Don't do backups because you're afraid of ransomware. No, do, just backups do backups because they are a great security defense and they can be a fantastic way of avoiding paying the money and of getting running faster. Well, guys, you've been waiting long enough. It is that time of the episode. It's time for the oh no of the week. And this one comes from a loyal listener who has some, this is his second oh no. So Whoa. loyal listener Alan writes, I sent you an oh no a couple months ago and just had an experience that I figured I would share as another possible contender. This could easily happen to anybody. I needed to call my favorite carpet store to ask them to fit a new carpet in our house. My wife had gone out the front door and was sat in the car with the engine running. She was off to a friend's house and was making sure she had everything she needed for the day. I called the number for the carpet store on my mobile phone. I heard the phone ring, and it seemed like someone answered, but the phone went dead. I said, no. if you can hear me, I can't hear you, and hung up. I tried again, and the same thing happened. The carpet store then called me, and I answered. Dead. I rebooted my mobile phone, and once restarted, it rang again. The carpet store, and I answered, and once more, I was greeted with silence. I scratched my head. I then noticed that my wife was outside the window waving her arms to get my attention, and the penny dropped. This happens all the time in the Amit household, because our I'm car sure. is right outside the kitchen window. <laughs> my phone was connected to the car via Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hear the carpet store, and they couldn't hear me. My wife could hear the carpet store in the car, but she had no idea why they were on the phone <laughs> the in the best. car and why they were getting annoyed. Oh. In the confusion, she remained silent. <laughs> Imagine if she'd shouted out, will you stop calling yeah. me <laughs> to them? 
<laughs> nope, she did the opposite. In the confusion, she remained silent. So the carpet store continued <laughs> to have no idea what was happening. I switched Bluetooth off my phone and called the carpet store. They didn't answer. <laughs> I have yet surprise, to communicate surprise. effectively with them. Oh, man. The, and, oh, oh, the sheer laugh. number of Thanks, times Alan. I start the car and all of a sudden I'm talking to my mother-in-law. I'm like, what? what's going on here? <laughs> this is Flip side to this story, because, of course, I don't have a car because I'm too green for that. But occasionally I need to hire one. Folks, when you get a rental car, when you hand it back, go yeah. into the go into the uh, you know the, yep. the setup menu and mm -hmm. delete your Bluetooth device. The last one I had, I think it, it took me about five minutes to go through and delete all the people who'd had the car before me because you know people typically hire a car for what a couple of what days at a time. There must have been ten or eleven people had just left their phones mm -hmm. paired to this random car. So goodness mm -hmm. knows whether they'd gone, oh, and also sync my data, sync my contacts yeah. to oh, this no. random car. Because imagine someone else in the, in, in, the, in the town hires that car afterwards and they drive and park next to your phone and you never unpaired. Your phone will go, hey, there's my friend. <laughs> oh, it could man. be a real disaster. I do that too, Paul. I delete all the other people's numbers in a rental car. It's a good, it's a good public service. And so it's nice to hear that you do that, too. <laughs> it's a good public service. Folks, if you've enjoyed that Ono, oh and you have an Ono, oh like I said, get in on this. Uh, you can email us, tips at sophos.com. You can leave an anonymous comment on any of our articles on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. You can DM us on all the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Naked Security. Or you can hit me up on Reddit. My username is, oh no, it's Kim. O-H-N-O, it's Kim. And you can message me your oh no. And of course, until next time. Stay, stay secure. Beep, 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 boop, boop.